Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. New developments to the kidnapping of Americans in Mexico. A major Mexican cartel seems to claim responsibility and hand over five of their men. President Biden gives a speech on his new budget and acknowledges former President Trump's re-election bid. What's in Biden's budget plan and how he reacts when asked about the timing of his 2024 announcement. Another Norfolk Southern train derails in Alabama just hours before the company's CEO faced questions from lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Find out what happened at the hearing. The Twitter files hearings continue, probing alleged weaponization of the federal government. Meanwhile, a House bill aims to prohibit the government from suppressing information. And a defendant on trial for his involvement in the January 6th Capitol breach wants his case dismissed. His attorneys claim prosecutors withheld crucial evidence. We start the evening with some breaking news in Germany. At least seven people have been killed and several more injured after a shooting in the city of Hamburg. That's according to local media. Hamburg police tweeted that a major police operation was underway but didn't give further details. According to authorities, the attack took place in a church. Police are still investigating at the scene and said there's currently no reliable information on the motive for the crime. Residents nearby were told not to leave their home during the operation. And a Mexican cartel appears to be claiming responsibility for kidnapping four U.S. citizens and killing two of them. A handwritten note was found on the windshield of a pickup truck in the area with an apology. The authors of the note say they belong to the Gulf Cartel and that some of their members were responsible for the events, acting under their own determination. The note continues, we have decided to deliver those involved and directly responsible. Near the truck, authorities found five men tied up. They have since been arrested and are under investigation. The Gulf Cartel is a major crime organization in that part of Mexico. Investigators say they believe the kidnappers mistook the Americans for rival human traffickers. And kicking off a spending battle with Republicans, President Biden unveils his budget plan in Philadelphia. What's in it and how Republicans are expected to respond. NTD's Iris Tau is on location in Philadelphia where the president spoke earlier today. At a union hall here in Northeast Philadelphia, President Biden unveils his budget plan for the fiscal year of 2024. He says his plan will cut the deficit by $3 trillion over the next 10 years. It's going to create good-paying jobs. And we can pay for these jobs by reducing the deficit two ways. Like, for example, cutting $160 billion in Medicare expenses is one. But we also have to ask the wealthiest and biggest corporations to begin to pay their fair share. A major component of Biden's means to cut the deficit is to make the wealthy pay more in taxes. He's proposing to raise Medicare taxes on Americans making more than $400,000 a year, impose a new minimum tax on billionaires, and hike the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%. That paid for everything is still allowed me to reduce the deficit. Just begin to pay your fair share. While some Democrats voice support for Biden's plan. We're going to say to the folks at the very top, hey, you can contribute a little bit more to something that is beneficial to everyone. 
Biden's proposals have little chance of becoming law as Republicans control the House and are opposing such tax increases. So we'll analyze his budget and then we'll get to work on our budget. But unfortunately, the president being so far delayed delays us in this process as well. And President Biden acknowledges former President Trump's re-election bid at one point during a speech. Watch. I had a big fight with uh, the former president uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, Father. And I asked President Biden, when will he announce his re-election bid? This is what he told me. Biden, when you. will you announce your re-election bid? When I tell you. Biden's budget announcement on Thursday officially kicks off a battle with Republicans over tax rates and spending. It's also notable that Biden chose this place in Pennsylvania to make the announcement, which is a key battleground state for the 2024 presidential election. Reporting from Philadelphia, Alice Tao, NTD News. It's been a month since a Norfolk Southern train derailed in Ohio, spilling toxic chemicals in the air and water. Today, senators questioned the CEO of the company. But before the hearing started, another Norfolk Southern train derailed in Alabama. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Last month, a train carrying hazardous materials derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. And on Thursday, Alan Shaw, the CEO of the train company Norfolk Southern, testified before the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee about the derailment. Here's part of Shaw's opening statement. I want to begin today by expressing how deeply sorry I am for the impact this derailment has had on the residents of East Palestine and the surrounding communities. Shaw said he's determined to make it right. In terms of community support, we have announced direct investments of over $21 million. We have provided support to more than 4,400 families through Norfolk Southern's Family Assistance Center. To be clear, there are no strings attached to our assistance. And just after Shaw explained how committed he was to safety, this happened. Mr. Shaw, the news is reporting that there's just been a significant derailment in Alabama of one of your trains. I certainly hope that all of your team and the, anybody in the vicinity um, is safe and well. Um, you may need to look into that. That was Norfolk Southern's third train derailment since February. The Calhoun County Sheriff's Office confirmed that about 30 empty train cars came off the tracks and there were no injuries or risks of hazardous materials. And Senator Alex Padilla thought the derailments could boil down to this. He said Norfolk Southern has decreased its workforce by 40 percent since 2015. So according to the AFL-CIO's Transportation Trades Department, the amount of time carmen have to inspect each car in a train has been reduced by two-thirds from three minutes to now just 60 seconds per car. Because I can imagine that uh, this gives us the confidence that carmen have the time to conduct that thorough inspection to identify or find any potential defects before the cars are sent back into service. And to me, it just falls into the greater pattern that we've seen for the past decade. Workforce overall reducing, uh, corporate compensations to stock buybacks on the upswing when uh, the workforce that keeps the trains running and running safe is what's being compromised. Shaw said that if they need to hire more workers to improve the inspections, he would do so. Jason Perry, NTD News. Senator Mitch McConnell is in the hospital after a serious fall during a private dinner in Washington, D.C. last night. 
McConnell's congressional office said today that he'll remain in the hospital for a few days. A spokesperson said the senator is being treated for a concussion. He reportedly tripped at an event for the Senate Leadership Fund, a Republican super PAC aligned with McConnell and GOP leadership. McConnell is the third senator to be hospitalized in recent weeks. That's along with Senator Dianne Feinstein, who's recovering from a bout of shingles, and Senator John Fetterman, who's seeking treatment for depression. Senator McConnell also fell at his Kentucky home in 2019, fracturing his shoulder. McConnell is 81 this year and is the Senate's longest-serving GOP leader. He was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 1984. And a House panel is probing the weaponization of the federal government. Journalists involved in the release of the Twitter files attended today's hearing. Also today, lawmakers vote on a bill that would prohibit the government from suppressing information. The House Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government invited journalists involved in releasing the so-called Twitter files, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, to testify. Just one hour before the scheduled start of Thursday's hearing, Taibbi released a new set of Twitter files called the Censorship Industrial Complex. Democrats said they didn't have access to those documents, telling Republicans, You may have been looking at this long before today's hearing. They argued that Taibbi and Schellenberger were promoting a narrative favorable to the GOP. This led to a heated opening into the hearing, with Chairman Jim Jordan responding to the allegations. I think they're brave individuals for being willing to come after they've been named in a letter from the Biden FTC. Is this your question time now? No, I'm responding to your ridiculous oh. statements you made in your in your opening statement. Okay, well, let's get on with it. Oh, now we want to get on with it. So you can Democrats asked Taibbi on what day Elon Musk first talked to him about publishing the files. Taibbi said he could neither reveal that nor confirm that Musk was the source, since journalists don't reveal their sources. So you're not going to tell us when Musk first approached you? Again, Congressman, when you're asking me to yes you're no. asking a journalist to reveal so a source. So then you consider Mr. Musk to be the direct source of all this? No, now you're you're trying to get me to say that he is the source. I, 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 well, I just can't answer your question. Well, either he is or he isn't. If you're telling me you can't answer because it's your source, well, then that the only logical conclusion is that he is, in fact, your source. Well, you're free to conclude that. Jordan then accused Democrats of violating Taibbi's First Amendment rights by demanding information about his sources. Meanwhile, the House voted on the Protecting Speech from Government Interference Act. Republican Congressman James Comer introduced the bill after the Twitter files alleged government suppression of speech. The files showed that the FBI pressured Twitter into taking down certain posts. The bill would prohibit federal officials from taking such steps, which it says suppresses First Amendment rights. The bill passed the House in Thursday's vote and is now on its way to the Senate. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. A Proud Boys member on trial over January 6 charges is asking for his case to be dismissed in light of new footage of the events. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. It's the eighth week of the trial against several members of the Proud Boys over January 6 events. And now member Dominic Pozzola is asking that his case be dismissed. In papers filed on Thursday, Pozzola's attorney argued that newly disclosed footage shown on Fox News reveals the Senate chamber wasn't violently breached. Fox's Tucker Carlson released the footage on Monday showing Capitol Police escorting another defendant into the Senate chamber. 
The White House on Wednesday lashed out at Carlson. Tucker Carlson is not credible when it comes to this issue, in particular, to have said what he said uh, when we when uh, we saw Capitol police officers lose their lives or police officers lose their lives uh, is just uh, it's just shameful. Carlson responded to the backlash on Fox News. Liars are touchy, sometimes to the point of hysteria. They're hiding something. That's the whole point of lying. And they're worried you're going to find out what it is. Pozzola entered the Capitol on January 6th, and prosecutors have argued that he and others inside obstructed an official proceeding. At the time, Congress was certifying electoral votes from the 2020 election. Pozzola's attorneys argued that Capitol Police supervised protesters who went into the chamber. They said the senators on January 6th could have continued proceedings. It was not Pozzola or co-defendants who caused the Congress to recess. Congress interrupted its own proceedings. Pozzola is on trial facing nine charges, including conspiracy, obstruction and robbery. His attorneys claim the government withheld crucial footage. In a separate argument, they claimed Pozzola's Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial was violated after hearing the testimony of an FBI agent in the case against Proud Boy Ethan Nordine. Nordine's attorneys accused FBI Special Agent Nicole Miller of hiding a tab in a spreadsheet that showed some of her emails. The secret tab allegedly concealed a list of 1,000 hidden messages. According to the filing, another agent said in one email that her boss assigned her 338 items of evidence I have to destroy. A U.S. attorney prosecuting the case said in court Wednesday that even if there were missing messages, the defense could have asked the government to produce them. Meanwhile, Republican lawmakers are planning to visit the jail holding January 6 defendants. Members of the House Oversight Committee told media outlets on Wednesday that they are organizing a trip to the central detention facility. They'll visit those criminally charged for their involvement in the January 6 Capitol breach. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And next we'll hear from a man who's investigated and reported extensively on the events of January 6th, Epic Times reporter Joseph Hanneman. He says the list of troubling questions from that day keeps growing as more video is made public. And I spoke with him earlier today. Joe Hanneman, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, Joe, you've covered the events on January 6th extensively since it happened. What's your response to the most recent release of footage? Well, I, I think it's a great development to, to see any media getting access to things that have been hidden from the public for more than two years. We've already had some questions answered with uh, just the footage that, that they were able to access during the three weeks they did their research. but. Um, you know, we've got a long list of questions that I think we'll probably find answers once we have a chance to get into that database and look at some of the video ourselves. There's renewed questions about the figure Ray Epps after Carlson said the footage proves that he lied to investigators about his movements that day. What's your take on that? Well, that was, yeah, that was very interesting. Uh, Ray Epps was interviewed twice by the FBI and said some very provocative things. We had an exclusive story on that earlier this year um, that uh, you know, he said he expected that there would be a pipe bomb explosion near the Capitol that day, and that's why he came with a, a medical pack. And the, the agents uh, were surprisingly uncurious about that from the transcripts that we obtained. That typically would merit all sorts of follow-ups and, and questions about what do you mean? Where'd you get that information? 
what causes you to have that concern. Um, so, you know, Ray has been certainly done very little to, to tamp down the public speculation uh, about his role from being an insider, which there's, you know, great video evidence of him inciting people to go not just to the Capitol, but into the Capitol. And he was seen all over the grounds that day. Uh, and so now with this, you know, that according to their their timing and their, their timeline, that uh, that he was not truthful with the January 6th committee. So that, that just fuels up all of the speculation uh, about Ray. And I just, I think we've, I think there is definitely more to that story that we'll be, we'll be finding out. And what's your take on the new footage of QAnon shaman Jacob Chansley? Well, it, it raises some very big issues in terms of, uh, of his defense. I mean, he was, he was dealt one of the harshest sentences handed out in any of the January 6th, you know, we're now over a thousand uh, criminal cases and arrests. And, you know, he was given a 41 month prison sentence and, you know, based on what? Uh, this was not an, a violent individual. Uh, he actually asked the police if, you know, if we're peaceful and we walk through here, are we, are we okay? Um, and, you know, now we see with the footage that he was, you know, Tucker called it, uh, the police were his tour guide. They let him into the Senate. Uh, and he's just peacefully strolled through the hallways. It, it raises some very big questions, uh, especially because I know his, his new attorney said he's never seen that footage. And, uh, uh, you know, I believe he's going to be going on Tucker possibly this evening to talk about uh, some of his previous attorneys to see how is it that somebody that really seemingly did so little and now you know, was encouraged, it would appear, to do it uh, by the Capitol Police. How did somebody like that end up in prison for 41 months? So what's your assessment of how legacy media has treated the latest tapes? Well, there's been a lot of attacks. I think the, the attack started before the first broadcast. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting reaction because you would expect journalists uh, would be all in favor of getting more footage out there uh, for them to view, for the public to view. But there's been a lot attacking the messenger. You know, it, it, not so much, uh, you know, a few of them sniped at some of the details that he put out. Uh, but, you know, the arrangement that he was able to get an exclusive, uh, which, of course, all media have been in that position. If you get you have good relationships with sources, you're going to get things first sometimes. Um, and there was just a lot of hostility. And I think it shows uh, that at least some of the legacy media are very invested in the story that's been told to America for the past two years because they've been the ones doing the telling. And the narrative is, is continuing to crumble. So I think that's going to expose uh, journalists as well as politicians, uh, depending what we find as this goes forward. There's tens of thousands of hours of footage we haven't seen yet. What do you hope to see more of and why? Well, we have a list of, of things that we're going to search for immediately when we do get access. And it has a lot to do with the suspicious actors that we've written about before, people whose behavior that day uh, was odd, including you know, a man who vandalized one of the Capitol windows and was dressed in tactical gear. And the videographer who shot it has been convinced that that was a government agent. And his face has never appeared on any of the wanted sites, either the privately run ones or the FBI. Uh, so we plan to use facial recognition software through one of our sources 
and try to track where he and, and a number of other people we've written about when they came on the grounds, where all they went and what they did. Some of the best detectives out there on January 6th are, you know, what, what I would call crowdsource internet sleuths. Um, it's amazing how many developments were uncovered by people on the internet who just have the time and have the skill for spotting things on video. And ultimately, I think that's the best solution to this uh, 41,000 hours uh, is to put it on a public server and let everyone who's interested pull it down and go through it and find you know patterns and find where people went. Joe Hanneman, Epic Times reporter, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Coming up, the CCP spy balloon was just the tip of the iceberg, lawmakers say. The House Homeland Security Subcommittee today probing other areas the CCP has targeted on U.S. soil. What lawmakers tell us about how the U.S. can address the threat. And in international sports, a stampede at a soccer match that cost the lives of more than 100 people last year has resulted in jail terms for at least two officials. We'll have that story and more coming up. More work on China today in the U.S. Congress. Legislators say the Chinese spy balloon is just the tip of the iceberg of the CCP's presence in the U.S. Lawmakers explain just how extensive the Chinese regime's reach is and provide ideas on how to confront it. Here's NTD's Melina Weiskup with more. China's ownership of U.S. farmland has went from about $81 million worth back in 2010 to about $1.9 billion by the end of 2021. Those are the opening remarks made by Chairman August Pfluger at today's Homeland Security Subcommittee hearing meant to explore the CCP threat here at home. Witness William Evanina, who served as a national security official under both the Obama administration and the Trump administration, says that this is a comprehensive strategic plan that's been in the works for the past decade. Of the Chinese be able to do software and malware manipulation and penetration on electrical grids and power stations outside of the military bases. It's important to note that we are not talking about Chinese citizens or Chinese Americans. We are talking specifically about the government of China. Democrats and Republicans have paid close attention to that CCP-run police station in New York City. And while Communist Party officials deny it, lawmakers aren't buying it, saying that it's unacceptable for the CCP to be using surveillance techniques here on American soil to target and harass Chinese nationals who are willing to speak out against Communist Party views. We're just scratching the surface. We have so much work to do in order to keep Americans safe and really expose the truth about the links that the Chinese Communist Party will go to. And this is one of a string of China hearings in the Congress over the past two weeks, and it comes as Chinese Communist Party officials are warning the U.S. to hit the brakes, otherwise face, quote, conflict and confrontation. Congressman Lou Korea, who sits on the subcommittee, tells me he feels that right now U.S.-China relations are, are at an all-time low. He also expresses the need for the U.S. to play more of a role on the global scale to prevent China from further exporting it its anti-freedom values. Suppression, communist country versus democracy, our open democracy, 
First Amendment freedom of speech, these things that are important. As for solutions, lawmakers tell me the first step is to shed light on the issue and then show strength to Beijing. Chairman August Pfluger tells me that he doesn't believe conflict with China is certain, but he says that the first step towards deterrence is to defend the homeland. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Two people were jailed Thursday in Indonesia on charges of negligence that led to the deaths of 135 people in a stampede at a soccer match last fall. The tragedy is one of the worst ever in sports and according to Indonesia's Human Rights Commission was due in large part to police firing tear gas into the crowd. The 45 rounds fired set off a panic and caused a crush at the exits, some of which were locked and were sadly where most of the deaths occurred. The disaster happened on October 1st at a 36,000 seat capacity stadium in Milan that somehow had roughly 42,000 fans inside. Fans rushed onto the field after the match creating what police called a riot. That's when at least 11 officers fired tear gas around the stadium. Two policemen were among the 135 deaths. The two jailed were the chief of security, who's given a 12-month sentence, and the soccer club organizer, who got 18 months, while three police officials are also set to be tried on the same charges. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has six games planned, including one with the Golden State Warriors and all-star guard Steph Curry, who's been on fire since his return from injury, hitting more than half his threes the past two games. They play at the Memphis Grizzlies. And in the college game, plenty of ranked teams in action today as conference tournament week continues, including a battle of ranked teams in the Big 12, as number 12, Kansas State, faces 22nd ranked TCU in the quarterfinals. And finally, for you hockey fans, 11 games are on tap, including one with the league's far and away leading scorer, Connor McDavid of Edmonton, playing on the road against the NHL's most dominant team, the Boston Bruins, who are on pace to set a league record in points. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.